Shafee. Shafee, are you, are you there? I'm from Texas, so I was always like, you know, Terrell, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Do you have that Texas attitude? Like, what do you mean? People in Texas, you know. What do you mean? Like, they're a little excited about it. A little excited about it. <laughs> Texas is a great place, man. Okay, it's, it's, okay. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Gloaming has fallen over the back porch in Matthew's backyard. Trees are black. The sky is a dark grayish blue. And fireflies are dancing for it is summertime. And it is episode 136, 137 of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Shaver podcast spectacular. Welcome everyone. We're happy to uh, happy to have you here. Going to do some stuff with you tonight. Going to talk some minutia. Going to rate some things, perhaps. We have a surprise special guest. I'll leave it to you to try to guess who that is before we introduce him in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, we will introduce the pride of Tarzana, California, known around the world. For his prowess in the field of children's folk rock. Also known for his mandibles. Not unlike the Predators. Also known for his last name, which is Rampy, not Roy. Hello, Matthew. There's definitely, definitely, definitely no logic to podcast behavior. And then there's that next line in lyric that's hard to decipher. And I'm on the back porch recording with Shafi. I started too high. Podcast behavior. <laughs> Podcast behavior. We, hi. If you How ever are you? get close to a podcaster. So, schaefer has been here for a few minutes, and actually our guest is already with us. He's just waiting in the wings. He'll join us momentarily. He's hiding in the darkness. Hi. Gently friend. glowing orange. So good to see you. It's great After to your battle see you with too. the pandemic. Right at the end of the pandemic, too. Yeah. Like, you, you seem to skirt it until right I there. I can't believe that I got away with it for as long as I did. <laughs> Of course, maybe I also had every other variant. Maybe so. And was yeah. just asymptomatic. Yeah. And this I'm, one just got you down. I'm excited that I am now, uh, I now have immunity for the next month and a half until the next variant. Oh, you should go to a festival. <laughs> I'm going to go to a bunch of festivals and weddings. Yeah. Get on some trains and planes. Just walk around in the supermarket spitting on people. You should walk barefoot. Licking faces. In New York City. Um, I'm not wow. sure I've ever done that. I saw a picture on Twitter the other day <laughs> of somebody had just taken a, a snap of this girl on the train platform. And it was just like, well, at least she's immune to everything now. Once in high school, I went walking around on 6th Street with no shoes on. Mm. That's just not quite as dirty. Yeah. There's really no surface as dirty as a New York City street, <laughs> is there? 
they do they do New York streets turn things black very quickly. Yeah, it's filthy there, um, and we and we all love it. Um, yeah, just, cities that aren't aren't so filthy, I, I just don't like them as much. Yeah, you don't tr- you don't trust a clean city like Lubbock. Matthew did this. Did this uh, tiny little bottle of Gatorade Zero come from an igloo post baseball game? Yeah, that's yes. Nice. You got a you got a Barry G Zero. So I get one of the team's Gatorades. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is awesome. One of the Cardinals so Gatorades. Of course, what do we got here. It's a berry flavor. I think. Berry flavor. That is a berry blast or something. This is going to give me the electric lights I need to podcast well tonight. I mean, I can't believe we've been podcasting with such low electrolyte levels. Thanks, you know new I mean? sponsor, Gatorade <laughs> Zero, berry flavor. G Zero, and of course, I'm the jerky parent with the G Zero, and the kids <laughs> are like, "Boy, this just doesn't hit like the other kind." <laughs> I'm like, what is it? What is about this? Yeah, like, yeah. I'll hit you like a sugar high. Splenda. Um, Get over here. I was I made a tribute to Bjork there. We my my daughter, I guess for her birthday, she got this deck of cards that is music superstars oh, wow. in all the positions and there's four categories, one for each suit and it's it goes from Elton John to Kylie Minogue <laughs> and everywhere in between and it's interesting because, you know, they're learning about music and there are some current artists in there, but there's also, you know, giants of the of, of music history in there. And so we kind of split the deck into artists that she knows and that she doesn't know. And today she just asked her mom, she was like, can you play some music by Bjork? And Amy and I were both like, yes. I was like, oh, my God, she hasn't even discovered Bjork yet. Like, there's so many things to do in the world. Did I tell you about the conversation I had with her? Oh, you spoke to Bjork? No, with uh, oh. with Isabel. Oh, with Isabel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when uh, she was showing me like stuff she learned on the guitar, uh-huh. you know, and she was like, "Here's my G, and here's my D." Like that's good. I was like, "Now you learn an A and a C, and then you can play pretty much any rock and roll song you want to play." And she looked at me and she goes. Why would I want to play rock and roll songs? <laughs> and I was like, well, all right, or whatever other pop music you want to play, that's fine. That's the kid. Didn't know that days. rock and roll was actually offensive to you. Yeah, rock and roll has become so passe. <laughs> God. <laughs> I mean, what is wrong with the world? Um, well, listen, I don't know what's wrong with the world, but I know what's right with the world. And that's that we have a special guest tonight. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody's like on pins and needles about who it's going to be. You know him. You love him. Shafee introduced me to him. It's Alex Battles. Hey, oh. Alex. Kel Surprise is the French one today. Hey, guys. How's <laughs> it going? Oh, man. And his levels are just right. So good. I'm hoping so. Every time we have you on this show, I listen back and I'm like, man, my voice is shit <laughs> compared to Alex Battles. Like, or at the very least, if Skip being all self-effacing, you you add this level of texture to the show that's just like, yeah, it's brilliant. And and well, now it's that you great got your to be here, you know. 
Anyway, welcome. Yeah, yeah, I did get it. I did. I upgraded my microphone, so I got a new microphone. The last one took a lot of use over the years, and uh, when I plugged in this new one into the same, you know, recording app that I was using, the the recording levels were way up, and it was like this microphone was peaking. And I was like, "Oh, I think my old microphone was broken." So, <laughs> I think I think this new microphone is not yet broken. So, knock on wood, it makes it through the show. So, welcome, um, welcome me to your show. Hooray! That actually makes a lot of sense because we've we've done this before, and you're on that my old microphone, and we were like, "Turn that up," and you're like, "It's turned up." And yeah. Yeah, it? well, there was a couple of times I was trying to do something different with it to try and get a different sound, and but anyway, yeah, this is the new one and it should work fine. So it's great to be here. And how's it going, guys? Uh, what's the? I, I heard somebody mention minutia. Do we? Do you guys have some minutia? Maybe we should start with the minutia. I would like to hear some minutia if you don't mind. Well, it's it's little league oriented again. Do you still want to hear about it? Yay, okay, sure, let's go. Especially. Okay, so I've been trying to keep One Magical Nation up to date with what's going on with the 8U Cardinals, Northwest Little League. Uh, Not to ignore the Red Hots. The Red Hots, (laughs) let's start with the Red Hots. The Red Hots are having an abjectly terrible season. So they, who's they, the Red Hots? That's Isabel's my, team. My daughter. Isabel's that's Isabel's squad, team. Yeah. That's ten under, ten and under. Um, All right. They, I think they have only prevailed on two occasions of maybe ten now or something. It's ten and under, and she's how old? Um, she just turned eleven, but but that's like it's like a certain baseball age. That's just like the group they put her in. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, they're having a terrible season. Yeah, in fact, uh, just to quickly catch you up on them, they they had a doubleheader on Saturday, and uh, Isabel's Isabel's first at bat. Well, let me say this: they limit them to three innings. Okay, and, and and it's also a time limit of, I think, an hour and a half. So really, a doubleheader is not that big a deal. Like she she likes that. Like that's a lot of softball, and that's what she wants. She's really enjoying it. That's good. Uh, but her her first at bat, um, I don't know exactly what happened with the catcher, but they lost the ball, and in there, sort of like shuffled <laughs> to to get the ball back. Like they got the catcher got behind Isabel, and then Isabel, I guess, thought maybe there was a base runner, and they they're teaching them. There's a lot of stealing in in softball, a lot of stealing <coughs> stealing home, and. The, Isabel stepped out of the batter's box backwards and she like stepped on the catcher and the ref called her out for obstruction. (laughs) And which it it was a bad call, but Isabel was furious. Wait, can we start over again? They lost the ball. (laughs) No, no. She just, no, you know, the catcher gets the ball and then they, they, they fumfer it. Ah, okay. A lot of times. Oh, I thought that like he was down and he's like looking under no, things. No, she was just. The no, she was. She had just somehow. I didn't exactly see what happened, but it happens a lot that the catcher doesn't really catch the ball, 
you know, and, and then it either, somebody can it, steal home. It either goes yes, yes. If the if it goes past the catcher, and then the pitcher has to cover the plate. Yeah, there's a ton of stealing, and I'm just like, if you can get the catcher and the pitcher like really trained up to cover the plate fast. That's going to solve a lot of problems, but we're not doing that with the Red Hots. So mm-hmm. I hope that Coach Zach is not listening. I'm, Coach, you're doing a fine job. I know it's tough, but anyway. Well, the Red Hots are having fun anyway. So. They are having fun. And if you ask Isabel, she doesn't care really about the scoreboard. So, But let me tell you who does care about the scoreboard. Who's that? No, not me. <laughs> not me. It's the eight and under Cardinals. <laughs> Those guys, first thing, softball's underfunded, and there's not a scoreboard at the softball field. So they're not even seeing the runs. On the baseball field, the the boys are seeing the runs rack up. And so the Cardinals had a dream start through coach pitch. We won our first six regular season games. Sure. Okay? And we were flying high. And then it went to kid pitch a couple weeks ago. All right. Kid and pitch. Kid pitch has not been good to us. No, kid pitch is have, that's tough, man. We've dropped three in a row. Yeah. Even after after the first game, it was decided to do a strategy of take the strike. Okay? Let them pitch to you until they throw a one strike, and then you can hit. Because these kids, maybe they're just gonna throw four balls. And then if you get there's no walking unless you get hit by a pitch. And so if you get to four balls, the coach gets to come out and finish it up with however many strikes you don't have. You get one, you get up to three pitches, right? Mm-hmm. And oh. we, have, we have only put up one run in three games. Um, and then last night we lost to the undefeated Orioles who are coached by this psycho <laughs> uh-huh. he's a he's a parent and a coach but he's did we talk about it on the podcast that there was a Uh-oh. outburst at a previous game that he Uh-oh. heard he thought one of our parents his son was playing with our team because we were short sure. and he heard, thought he heard one of our parents say something disparaging oh dear god Absolutely ape shit on oh, no. us. This was like two weeks ago. He's like, I want my kid to get off that bed. You're you got this big mouth down here. He said this wow. thing. Now this listen, Alex. Trigger uh, warning, man. I don't know. Okay, go triggered. ahead. He was triggered and wow. and my yeah, this um, is tough, man. So listen, listen. My Okay. My wife ahead. my wife had been <laughs> sitting right by whatever was said by the parent. At the uh-huh. parents the parents said to the guy, thanks for the DH, meaning thanks for lending us your kid to to hit so we could didn't forfeit. But what the guy heard was, thanks for the DH. <laughs> right? Right? You hear the distinction? I do, definitely. And okay, but the another twist to this is my head coach whose dad was a pro ball player, Rafael Landestoy. He coached with this guy in a previous season. Uh-huh. Last season, he coached with this guy. So they knew uh-huh. each other. And I right. was like, is, is this kind of how this guy is? And Rafael was like, I, I, you know, he's an emotional guy, but I've never seen him 
go crazy like that. So that just happened a couple weeks yeah. ago, and I've he heard, he heard thanks for burning me. Yeah, what I mean, there was a miscommunication, <laughs> which happens all the time, which we're trying to solve on this podcast, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I wow, I, okay, yeah, and and I've come to observe this guy, and he right. is at he is at every game with his son scouting like they live up there there's this guy also has a very bizarre like um, a hobby, huh? I, I of course google everybody <laughs> he's a licensed clinical social worker mm-hmm. and he's a cpa and he has a whoa, whoa, mba whoa. from northwestern no more no and he more. marriage and family counseling he could work with your troubled teen anyway this is all this is all beside the point yeah. So here, here's the point. I'm getting to the point of this story, which okay. everybody, who's, everybody who's ever listened to this podcast is like, fucking finally. Okay. 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 Here, here's the point of this story. I really wanted to talk to you guys last night, but we didn't have it set up. Here, here's the point. No, I'm glad you had time to cool you off. You're still pretty hot like, about this. You for the point? Here's the point. I got to keep this in perspective. i'm the one who needs to f and keep this whole scene in perspective because yes you feel the slump i can feel the slump on me like a bear on my back you know and and i as we started the season and we were just we were just winning and the kids were experiencing that you know it was just like pure elation and now like none of our big hitters have come through for us and um we've had a lot of hit by pitch <laughs> you know kid pitch a lot of hit by pitch all of a sudden the bases are loaded you hit three batters you know that's um yesterday all day i i could feel it in the, my soul i wanted to beat the unbeaten orioles so bad so badly i i wanted I just wanted to win that game. It was all I could think about all day. And it's so frustrating. You know, it's one thing when you're a player in a sport and you you have you you have some sort of say and how but if you're coaching seven and eight year olds here. You can't get and, up there and I, swing the bat. What's what's horribly ironic about this too is that my message to the kids is don't don't look at the standings. Don't it, the scoreboard doesn't matter. Forget about beating the Orioles. Let's go out here and play baseball. Do you hear that first word, kids? Play. This is fun. <laughs> and in my soul, I'm like, oh, we gotta we gotta crush these Orioles. <laughs> and that's psycho. Is Alex? Is this giving you uh, flashbacks to like your fantasy football teams? No, this is this is like way worse. Like, so, uh, so Alex, I I, I wanted way to talk worse. I I can I yeah okay go ahead. I wanted yeah, to talk to you about this for two reasons. Mm-hmm. I thought that you might have just some wisdom to impart here, and I guess that's the first. Re- but general, but now I'm now the way you're reacting, it makes me think that you did little league and your dad was all this talk of baseball is hard on my electrolytes. <laughs> Do you need another one? Of I, think I got some GZ. Um, <laughs> and then of course, I, I, 
no offense, sir, but as a Browns fan, you have some experience with slumps, right? And, no, and that has that has goal. no no look no stop right, professional right, sports has nothing to do with what you're talking about okay, right okay, like okay. we started we started the evening before the magical listeners showed up we started this evening with a general conversation about how i won't i won't even go into details because i was kind of running around the house but in general the conversation was parenting can be difficult okay like oh, yeah. just uh-huh. just to summarize, that was the topic, right? Yeah. And first of all, when you were like, "I'm worried about the Cardinals," I was like, "Why is Matthew a St. Louis Cardinals fan? Is why is <laughs> and why is he worried about them in April? You know, like <laughs> they're usually fine. That that's you know they got a good fan base. The team, you know, they seem to have money. You know, whatever, like." They're organized. It's one, of, it's one of professional baseball's most winning clubs. Yeah, they, yeah. I was like, why is he worried about the Saints? Because you're asking me. You always know, just saying, oh, as a Browns fan, you might be able to help me with me being worried about the Cardinals. But you're worried about a team of eight year olds, and I'm yeah. sitting here with no parental experience. Okay, but some trigger warning baseball experience, and. <laughs> And you know, there's there's a there's a few directions I can go, and I'll go as many of them as I can, as succinctly as I can. But no, don't you know, think this is long form. Go. Well, no, because every time I'm on the show, I I run two hours thirty, and you know, everybody's every, having you back. Go. Anyway, all right. So first of all, I'm sitting here putting myself in your shoes, right? Because I'm I'm you know I'm I'm officially at like you know you know like old park slope tweed parent age you know like i'm I'm almost at like tony randall level if i'm ever gonna have a kid right so <laughs> i'm sitting here like you know i hear i i see you and i go oh you know how might what might i do in this situation you know and i'm sitting here going if i were this guy Matthew, who lives in Texas, right? I would take my kids to the frisbee golf course every weekend and watch them throw frisbees. And every time they throw it, I would be like, "Hey, good throw! Let's keep walking." And then you know, you walk and you do the frisbee golf. And you say, "Hey, you're getting better at frisbee golf because this is something that you know, you enjoy." You can share, and you're good at. And instead, you're getting obsessed with this crazy sport. Um, that's a B is the. There are too many cooks involved in this these organizations for anyone to ever have a good time. Baseball is the hardest sport. It's and I don't want to go into like what sports are hard. I mean, all sports are hard. That's why they're sports. But baseball is very difficult. And the one thing I can tell you of the one book I have read about training people to play baseball is that the what the guy says over and over again in this book, Prophet of the Sandlots, which is a book about a baseball scout who goes from town to town trying to find 
good baseball players in his region, which happens to be Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. Um, what he says is you build a cement wall that is four feet high, that is angled at a 45-degree angle at the bottom. And he's got like a diagram of it in the book. And he says, what you do is you build this wall and you just throw a baseball at it. And that's how you get good at baseball because it trains every bit of what you need for baseball skill, right? It doesn't seem like your problem has anything to do with baseball skill. Maybe it has something to do with it. But the thing about baseball is you cannot control the baseball skills of 9 to 15 children, you know, and and the and the strange needs and egos of the four to six parents who show up to support this enterprise, you know, <laughs> like like if you want to enjoy your life and your kids, you know, like I understand that, you know, like kids like having friends and stuff, I guess, you know, like that whole we're all on this team together. But, you know, like if I look back at my baseball experience before the horrible you know and we would look at it now you know and just say inevitably terribly dramatic Alex Battles ending which all things come to in my life um, before that you know there was like one guy who was on my baseball team there was one kid like I was playing baseball to hang out with one kid you know who I'm still friends with you know great great buddy and whatever and he and I played you know this on this team with all these other kids but you know there was like a few kids from his street and we were all kind of in the same the same rec league team together for years but it was really just to hang out with one guy you know and like the like the entire like so actual little league is foreign to me the whole like oh we could our team could be in the little league world series and we could go up and we could do something like and that to me seems like a nightmare like a complete nightmare unless unless and this is important unless the little fellow loves, loves, loves baseball, just loves baseball. Like if it's a social thing, I would just say, why not take the kid to the skate park and do something that's actually cool okay. or, or anything else because, I, or, or build, build this wacky concrete wall and just obsess over baseball for the next 10 years of your life. But as, okay. as, as far uh, as dealing with a slump, I'm is, a is concerned. <laughs> well, I you think know. Alex, Alex's uh, take on it is interesting. Yeah. And I, and I, I agree with him in a lot of ways that it's this, it's this crazy complicated. It's ritual. so hard. Yeah. But I also like, I kind of wonder if maybe there's just, uh, just another way of looking at this whole thing, and that, that's that it. It's a good way for the kids to learn a lot of important lessons. That's like get along. You know, you get into it what you put. You get out of it what you put into it. And I wonder if, if even for the parents, it's a good way to get out a lot of 
a lot of societal yayas that might build up in you and uh, might no, even be a safe place to do that, you know? There's no other way for me to defeat that psycho. Right, and for you to learn some learn some important lessons about <laughs> how we all have to live together and we're all around this right. baseball diamond and everybody has their role to play, whether they like it or not. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like you know... Schaefer's, I, Schaefer's opinion is 100% more valid than mine on this because, you know, Schaefer <laughs> played organized sports and I... Barely, and I mean barely. I never played baseball, though. Participate, but you played whatever. You played football. Schaefer and I used to have a saying, which is some people play the line and some people carry the water. I carry the water. Schaefer plays the line. That's how we work. My mom did a a funny thing when I was growing up. And, like, she, she just... She perpetuated the myth that I thought baseball was boring and I never wanted to play. <laughs> and, but nobody ever asked me, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think she just decided that, you know, I, I think, you know, well, that's like how I, I felt about I, football. Like I actually liked football, but nobody, nobody ever asked me. And so I was just kind of in this rec baseball league. See, I but, wish I was talking with my brother. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Apparently if I had grown up in California on either the either the east or the west coast, boys can play volleyball. I've always loved volleyball my whole Vol- life. Volleyball is great, and I was pretty yeah. good at it. Yeah, um, we played it's big uh, in we Pennsylvania in sixth grade, and I was pretty good at it. I was like on the volley- volleyball volleyball right. team. Um, I had a minute in high school where there was Sinjin Smith and Kart Kirai. Oh yeah, they, they I remember the, those dudes. Sure. Volleyball team, and for a minute there, I wanted to be a pro beach volleyball player. But we like yeah, beach volleyball was so huge in the late eighties. If you're if you're a young man in Texas, it's football or nothing, you know. Yeah, football yeah, king around here. And my, my experience with baseball was I did one pee wee league season. I would I hadn't done t ball. I was already in third grade. I asked my dad when I went back to Lubbock recently. I said, "How come I only did that one season?" And he was like. All other boys were just like farther advanced than you and you just weren't into it. So we just didn't do another one. And then he said, hey, do you remember one of those first few games that those parents got in a fist fight in the stands? <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't remember that. Sounds, See, that sounds very happen no matter what. That sounds very Lubbock. Right? I, OK, let me say a couple things just in response to what you guys are saying. By the way, great advice. I'm already feeling better. I'm already having much more Good. perspective than I was. That's nice. That's all we wanted, buddy. We, I'm, I'm sort of. First thing, Griffin can throw better than I can. He, he can throw a football harder than I can. Probably wow. a baseball too. So I felt like, hey, let's just try this. You know, here's a game where you can use your arm. Um, and I also I didn't I love soccer, and I don't want to be the parent who's like we're doing soccer because that's what I did. Okay. We were were doing soccer before the pandemic. I was coaching that, and that was great. Again, I don't don't understand that because there would be no Mozart if Mozart's dad was like, well, I'm a musician, so you should be a painter, you know? Okay, well, see, I'm doing that to my kids. I'm I'm discouraging a life in the arts, and I'm opening up the... I don't don't understand that. Play to your strengths. Like, what what are you going to do? You... you're you're gonna you're gonna teach you're gonna teach him how to be in a life in sales. 
Like teach him what you teach him what you know. No, no, no. He's no. winding you up, Alex. No, you told a, a life me to encourage is, Isabel's He's winding life. me up. Oh, okay. No, I no, I, am, I don't do well with wind ups. I'm, I'm too literal of a human. Matthew, you got to be careful of winding Alex up too, because that happens very quickly. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we've never been wound up together. Yeah, you guys need to take take a deep okay, breath. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me That's finish. That's the problem with this podcast, man. I, Go I, ahead. I I am saying to them. Let's be well rounded. You can paint. You can draw. You can play guitar. But but that's not going to make you any money in predatory capitalism. You need to do STEM, or I want to be a Southeast Asian parent. I want them to be a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian chief. You see what I'm saying? I don't. I, I, mean, I, I don't like uh, Southeast Asian Indian. You know what I'm saying? He's pulling your leg, Alex. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm speak again. I'm speaking from the heart. Yeah, look, it's your job. It's a hard job. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm not doing it. So, I don't know anything about it. I'm just but, like I said. Okay, but, but just just, just again a, to just address I'm just what a you tweety said. old single dude, you know, we're, who's getting. You're just trying baseball. Than... We're just we're just giving it a try, and I got completely wrapped up in it, and I'm having so much fun. Then build honestly. the wall. Build the wall. I may build the wall. My kid is the kind of kid that would stand in front of that wall. Do it. Build the Power. wall. I'm telling you. Buy the book. But. Buy the book. Build also, the wall. Also, what you said about the social thing, mm -hmm. that was another motivation for this. Sure, like the guys, the guys in his class were playing. Yeah. And, and um, I didn't get him. I didn't get him on the team with his buddies because I volunteered to coach their, their dads are our coaches. They were on another, like there were, there were not enough coaches. So he's not even on the team with his buddies, but everybody's out there and we've been going to their games and they're coming to our games. Like it, I, I have to say in a post pandemic, reaching out to community and see and getting to know the people who live around you, it's been a good experience. And and I'm really looking at it as like, this is an opportunity to just get to know people and just spread kindness. And I and I love coaching. I don't care the sport. I love coaching because you know, you think about when you're a kid, like if you have one good teacher or coach who's not a total douche, you know, like that means a lot. And you 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 really shape the future of society by going. Hey, you know what? Maybe the scoreboard is not the most important thing. Oh yeah, I'm hitting the table again. <laughs> I've I've I I have found that uh, the recording is not great when I hit the table over and over. Um, yeah, it does. Just producer's note: it has like <laughs> I've lost your your feed at times when you've peaked. So, like for instance, when you were the parody or whatever it was. Like there was there was a note you hit and I lost like thirty seconds. So I hope the recording's working. Oh, so yeah, boy. be careful about your peaks because I've lost you a couple of times when you got a little antsy. Yeah, it'll okay. it'll come out in the recording. Okay, yeah. good. That's All fine. Right, yeah. No, no, I, that's I I just I'm just telling you for for future guests because I know we've had a little trouble with the platform on the recording that's end. True. That's just true. cut this part out. Manish doesn't want to hear this stuff. Listen, listen, I, I appreciate you guys and the <laughs> listeners listening to this. But that anyway, that's what's been going on in my head. Build a I wall. really like 
What occurs I'm, to me, like I think, a more. really useful thing is the whole parent thing, and you know, yeah, some some parents have have a good perspective, some parents have a bad perspective, some parents are are good, you know, socializing with other parents. Some some parents are kind of challenged in that regard, and I think that's an important lesson for a kid to learn, and it's a hard lesson for a kid to learn, uh, and that is that. Some adults are better than others. <laughs> and some adults, you know, are doing a good job of being adults, and some adults never figure it out. And uh and I, I never think that I never was making those judgments when I was a kid. You know. All. Well, I I very I was never rarely making spent those time. assessments at all. I rarely adults. spent time with anyone who wasn't my parents or teachers. Right. You know. I have no uh, memory of, of, of thinking about adults as a child, though. That's all I'm saying. Soccer, like... I don't doubt you people. did. You're a more mature person than I am. Socially. In the, in the 1980s in San Antonio, very few parents came to soccer games. They would drop the kid off and come back when it was over. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's funny. And, uh... Yeah. So, well, we may not do baseball again. We tried it for one season. Not not because not because it's destroying me. Um, <laughs> this it reminds me of uh, the Buddha and the whole <laughs> advice about uh, your desires and how they'll make you very unhappy. Your desires will destroy you. You got to have right action. And non-attachment. Matthew. Valid. From an outside perspective, totally someone who doesn't have kids and, you know, kind of, you know, does things differently. Even if I were a parent, I would, I would not listen to anybody else's advice about parenting. I'd do it my own way. Uh, I would have some, some successes and some failures and everything will probably generally turn out okay is how I predict that would go. But with your love for music and your kids' interest in music, like if I were you, I would just be building like the Matt Rampy house band. The family band. Yeah. It's just like, that's, that's just what I've been trying to do that with my niece and nephew so hard. And it's, it's hard to get them to focus. We could do that. We could spin um, that up next weekend. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Especially after Griffin got over his stage fright at the Brentwood Talent Show. Have you listened to episode 136, Alex? Probably not. Got lost in my inbox. Um, Griffin did an impromptu dance routine at the talent show. He inspired wow. he's, he's in second grade and a fifth grader. Invite, it was like, hey, I don't have anybody to dance with me. You want to get on stage with me? And it, they were doing... Uh, Chug Jug with you. Have you heard Chug Jug with you, Alex? Negative. Okay. Well, <laughs> Schaefer's texting you right now. I still don't know. Texting it. you a link. Um, I still don't it's know. A, it. It's a Fortnite parody song sung by kids. Whoa. And so he was essentially doing Fortnite dances. But look, let's, we need to get past this segment, Matthew's Minutia. It has really. <sighs> It's really ruined the show already. I'm no, kidding. I'm, it's all right. I'm 
Nothing. I should. Nothing. I should warn. I have to warn you though. <laughs> if you do buy that book, the ending is surprisingly sad. That Milton got mad at me because I made him read the book and I didn't tell him that, and he was he was really upset with me. So, but I it, it's it. It, it, it's uh, whatever. The Prophet of the Sandlots, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Prophet uh, of the Sandlots. It's it's like my favorite writer. This writer, um, um, I mean, obviously, who's not Schaefer Hall or you know Sean Welsh, but um, you know, all of our writer friends. We have so many great writer friends, but uh, Mark Weingartner. Um, who wrote like the best book ever written about Cleveland, as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's called Crooked River Burning. Um, but yeah, he, he's a young writer. He went to this this guy who had signed, the guy who signed uh, Mike Schmidt. That's kind of his biggest signing. Um, and so for a year, he just kind of follows this scout around in his car and they go from like town to town and watch watch games and he talks to kids and then tries to sign them and all this all sorts of stuff it's a pretty interesting book but the ending is is a little tough anyway um like what's that like old yeller or where the red fern grows <laughs> yeah something like that yeah in in, in okay. that general in that general ballpark sure like as soon as you say those i kind of remember like oh yeah something like that yeah where the where the red fern goes wasn't there a wasn't there a dog in that one too yeah oh the robot thank god where have you been all my life robot oh i love that thing breaking news hit me do the uh anybody looked at some uh, any that looked in on the nfl draft uh no, because I don't care anymore. But go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, do the, do the Browns have a draft pick in the next? No, decade? no, because we gave it to the Houston Texans. Traded them all away. <laughs> I don't know. I even know why I'm saying we anymore. I'm wearing my official Pittsburgh Steeler protest flannel oh, right now. No, <laughs> is that a terrible towel behind you? Yeah. Right. Hashtag. <laughs> Let's see here. <laughs> it looks like Texans are on the clock for pick 15. Uh, the Saints had two picks. I'm sorry. The Jets had two picks. Looks like they did good. We have uh, we have two great regulars at the front page. Two guys who moved down from Jersey and just happened to move right next to the front page. Uh-huh. Uh, and one of them is a huge Jets fan, and one of them is a huge Giants fan. Oh, yeah. So, and they're the only people who come every Sunday for football. Uh-huh. So we're officially like a Jets and Giants bar. Okay. Uh, which is fine because we're not going to be a Texas bar, are we? Yeah. Texans bar. Right. We're not going to be a Browns bar. Right. We're not going to be a Seahawks bar anymore. Even uh, that's not true. We'll still be a Seahawks bar. Um, but uh. Yeah, it's really fun, though, to, like, have an excuse to root for the New York teams. Uh, these guys actually, Paul is from wherever it is, Alex, uh, Maybury or 
He's from the town in New Jersey where Lizzie McGlynn lives. And so she was like, she like met him at like the carpool parking lot or something. And they were talking and she's like, oh, if you're moving down to Austin, then you have to check out the front page. And like just entirely coincidentally, the apartment he had picked out to live in is like the closest, the closest bar is the front page. So the New York connection continues to, uh, to provide, uh, to provide interesting things. Well, uh, wait, was the breaking news about the draft or the customers? The, the draft. <laughs> and I realized that the customers were more interesting than the yeah, draft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting how the draft has become a thing of interest. Did oh you guys God. see this headline speaking of news and cruises? Um, <laughs> did you guys see the headline that they are outlawing mentholated cigarettes? Which I didn't shut your mouth. I didn't. Well, it's weird that they're outlawing mentholated cigarettes and not regular uh, cigarettes. Apparently, they're significantly worse for you. I I did yep. hear that, and I heard it in the context of it's unfairly targeting the African American community. Yeah, which because for whatever reason, our black brothers and sisters enjoy menthols. Yeah. Now, and I. If, I mean, it wasn't created for them, was it? Really? No, no. If there was an so if there was an alternate timeline where I smoked, and there may have been, I liked menthol cigarettes. Too. I I smoked <laughs> quite a few menthol cigarettes. Yeah, in my day. yeah, that was. Uh... uh, but the whole like thing, like I'm astounded that they would outlaw menthol cigarettes and not just outlaw cigarettes, because what the hell? <sighs> like, give people nicotine lozenges and be like, guys. We're done with this. It's disgusting. You're blowing clouds of shit into the air that other people are having to breathe. And the fiberglass cigarette butts are like choking our fish. And it's just everything about it is fucking gross. We've all agreed. It's it's unhealthy. Like, and like, for the record, I think that marijuana should be legalized. I think heroin should be legalized. You know, because those things actually do things to your body. I'll do that. <laughs> you know, but, but what about what about give you a fake? <laughs> what about humans' long relationship with tobacco? Okay, sure. If you wanna if you wanna argue that you need it for your medicine man uh, prayers in your TP, Mike Matthew, then you can continue to do that, I guess. <laughs> okay, but okay, um, but there again, like just go for, or you know maybe maybe you could make the argument to me like. Uh, if there, if it's really just smoking the tobacco plant, whatever, curing it, yeah, chewing on it, whatever, so, right? But like the things you're, that, you're talking about, big tobacco. Yeah, the things that big tobacco does. Did you know that the second biggest consumer of refined sugar is are the big tobacco companies? Is they add refined sugar to make the smoke burn smoother and to make it even more addictive. Oh wow, that's brilliant! Like the stuff that they're they do, the, they're the evilest motherfuckers. Horrible! Like yeah. why they should not be allowed to operate in the way they like. Like I, I understand the perspective of you know there's there are there are rights that should be up to the individual to either hurt themselves or not hurt themselves. But there's also some things that the government should do because 
the government should step in in cases that are egregiously evil or illegal or bad for the public health. And I think that this is one of them. And this is somebody who, guys, I love to smoke. You know that. I loved rolling my cigarettes. And, you know, I did it behind the bar at Pedro's. Man, I remember the pure pleasure of just getting off work on Wall Street, going down, throwing the towel over my shoulder, cutting limes to get ready for my Tuesday night shift. And, like, I would cut the limes that I would be serving the customers with a goddamn cigarette hanging out of my mouth. Which that blows my mind. I'm like Correct. preparing food for customers right. uh-huh. with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth in in public. Like customers were sitting two feet away from me while I was doing it. I don't understand how that ever happened, but uh, yeah, I I think it's really weird that they're like, no, menthol cigarettes are too dangerous. They have to be outlawed, but regular cigarettes, though, they're not quite that dangerous yet. Is the rationale because the flavoring attracts young yeah, uh, smokers? I guess maybe. Or, yeah. It's really weird. How about you, Alex? Did you ever smoke menthols? Oh, yeah. Cool milds, baby. Yeah, I smoked <laughs> like what my my terrible smoking story. So, so as a, when I was a young man, I was very... Um, I I later found out that you know the, one of the reasons everybody smokes in movies is because uh, old movies because they're very in the classic like you know what we think of is like stuff that's on TCM now but back then was just yeah. stuff that was in the classic section at the video store. Um, and so anyways, I was I was always watching these movies and I would actually I would I would slow them down because I wanted to see what like Sinatra was smoking or whatever you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> And um, like in Pal Joey, which was one of my favorite movies at the time, which is a Sinatra movie, um, he's smoking Chesterfields. And then um, in the Blues Brothers, uh, John Belushi is smoking Chesterfields, you know, and so and and there's one other one. Um, Sweet Smell of Success. Um, Galwas? No, Chesterfield's again. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I would just, I would like frame by frame these movies just to find out the brand, you know. Um, because where I went to school, there was a there was a tobacco shop where I went to college. There was a tobacco shop. And um, my first like exposure to cigarettes was actually in a school play. And they, um, it was, a, <laughs> it was, stall- yeah, I know this is, this is kind of weird. It was it was uh, it was a play called. Um, well, they made a movie out of it. Uh, Stalag Seventeen, right? Which was a which was a, a Billy Wilder film, which eventually uh, was turned into a television show called Hogan's Heroes, right? Um, and it was like a comedy based on officers at a kind of like The Great Escape, officers at a a POW camp during the war trying to escape. And the Germans, you know, going back and forth, but kind of in a bantery sort of way, um, like Hogan's Heroes is, if you've ever seen that show. Yeah. Um, but so cigarettes were like the trade in the in the in the in the play. You know, people are trading cigarettes back and forth, and uh, because uh, in the Red Cross packages, soldiers would get cigarettes 
from the Red Cross. And then they would trade those to the Germans because the Germans were running out of cigarettes and the Americans were running out of tea, I think. they the Schnitzel? Yeah, some, some, something like that. So anyway, but for this play, my school bought a carton of Luckies. <laughs> <laughs> That we were like, you know, passing back and forth on stage as props. But then, of course, some of these young, you know, young kids, not me, but other kids started, all, they all started smoking Luckies when they're like 18 year olds, you know. So to me, like that was, oh, that must be the coolest cigarette to smoke was Luckies. And then when I went to college, I went to this also kind of like basically classic film kind of a place. And there was a tobacco shop in town and like everybody was like smoking on filters because they were like, oh, this is so cool, you know? So um, to answer your question, so, and, and at the time I'm slowing down movies being like, oh, look, John Belushi and the Blues Brothers, that's a, that's a Chesterfield pack right there or something. And um, I saw this picture of Ray Charles and Ray Charles was in college and now still one of my favorite artists of, of all time just just so amazing and on the on the on the piano there was a pack of cool unfiltered they used to make unfiltered cool yeah. and nice. i was like i was like that's got to be the craziest thing ever you know so Anyway, I was always talking about these these cool straights, you know. Oh, I gotta get cool straights, but the, you know, nobody nobody sells those. You know, it's like nuts. So, this buddy of mine, and, you know, and I had just kind of moved to New York, and I was like, whatever, finding myself, and like every week I would change because it was like a like so strange. And I was like, I was like a kid, and you know, I'm going to this job wearing a suit. It was just it was nuts. I was completely unprepared for it, and. uh at a certain point, I was like, you know, I, I feel like I'm done with this whole smoking thing, you know. And it was like, it was like I, you know, I'd maybe been smoking a couple of years and I had, I like had a pack and I just was like, I'm just going to put these on the shelf in my closet, you know, and we'll see. And I literally just kind of like forgot about them. I was like, yeah, you know, and it was like a month later and I was like cleaning. I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm done with that. And I'm, you know, whatever. Until this buddy of mine from college shows up at my front door of my house, like, hey. And it was like around my birthday. And he goes, happy birthday, baby. And he happens to, he had just gone through North Carolina, like cigarette capital of the world. And there were two, he had in his hand two cartons of cigarettes. Cool Straits. One was Cool Straits and one was Chesterfield's. <laughs> and suffice it to say, um, I've had menthol cigarettes. Yes, the, that is the long form answer to your question. If I've had menthol cigarettes, yes, indeed, I have. I remember um, in college going away to Emerson College in Boston. You know, that was a real adventure coming from Lubbock, Texas. But just discovering that there were other cigarettes other than Camels and Marlboros. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, down there, then all of a sudden, like, Galois from France, Export A's from Canada. English uh, ovals. Uh, then also all the hand rolls of the drum and the and the top. Three castles. Rolling your own. Galois. Uh, Bally Shag. 
Oh yeah, Ballyshag, yeah. definitely. Galwas were definitely some of our favorite. Galwas are mm-hmm. yeah, hardcore are. cigarettes. They're right. French, right? Super good. Yeah, very strong. Uh, yeah, almost like pipe tobacco or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, one of the ones I found was were Parliaments. So I found out that Parliaments were like that's what George Clinton named the band after. There you go. Named after. So I was like, oh well, these must be cool. And right. then I found. Out and also, there's a weird, there's a weird thing about Parliament filters, that's like, they're kind of like you can feel the ring. They're the like recessed. hollow they're and recessed. Yeah, recessed that, that filter, I, yeah. I find that very tactilely pleasurable. Oh yeah, of course. Um, and then, and then, like a week later, I realized that it was just me and rich girls from Long Island who smoked Parliaments. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, right. maybe Parliaments not my cigarette. Uh. <laughs> But I, yeah, I still smoke them occasionally, even after that. Uh, Golwas, uh, my friend John Cotter was into the Golwas, so we would smoke those. But yeah, uh, for economic reasons, we all rolled our own. Oh, yeah. get, you could get, you know, 50 cigarettes out of a bag of Bally Shag or a bag of a drum. drum. Yeah. I would have never, <laughs> never mind. I don't have any cigarette stories. <laughs> I started good. to I started to tell Bills all the stories. Yeah, I can't believe so many people still smoke. It's funny that this conversation started with me railing about getting them like, and then just degenerated into me and degenerated speaking affection. How of much we love tobacco <laughs> and our history with it. And that's and that's just yet another reason why they shouldn't be legal because they're so immensely addictive, both psychologically. Yeah, and they're pretty brutal. They're pretty brutal. It's so I watched. Like, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's just like any other thing that you're addicted to. Like while you, while it's in your system, you want as it leaves your system, you want more of it, and it and it feels just right. But once it's all out of your system. And then you get a little bit of it. You're like, oh, what? That is but poison. Particularly, <laughs> though, and I was thinking about this today. Like, I think I added it to the show. She like also talk about the many other kinds of addiction. Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I've been like, I've let's been, go back to the show. sheet. I've been pretty much. Addicted. Wait, wait, wait. This is a segment called to going back to the show. sheet. Matthew's addicted to the robot. Uh, <laughs> I've been addicted to pretty much everything that you can be addicted to. I think, you know. Uh, you know, be, be it like television or cigarettes or alcohol, whatever. Uh, and you know what I think? Like the two most profound addictions are are cigarettes and food. Like just ones that you know that are just pervasive, and you know you can't get away from. Like, but I think everybody would answer that question differently. I think so too. Yeah. You know, like there are, everybody's medicine is different. Everybody's, everybody's choice of seven deadly sins is, you know, it's, Uh, you know, and I think opiates are up there with, but also like they kind of treat different people differently. Um, Frank Gallagher said his favorites was opiates. In terms of like, profound like i remember like because i you know i went on and off cigarettes a number of times and you know you could just tell like one morning you would wake up and you would be like 
I need something. You're like, am I hungry? No, I'm not hungry. Am I thirsty? No, I'm not. Th- oh, shit, I'm addicted to cigarettes again. That's uh, what right. it is. Yeah, right. You know, but it was like that. It's like or your body like, needed it that much. The, yeah, that's the other thing about nicotine. You know? It's like you don't feel quite right. Yeah. Until you get it. Yeah. Um, caffeine. Uh, probably Advil at a few different occasions. Um, Advil? No, that's kind of a joke. Uh. All that stuff. Alex, top two addictions. <laughs> Go. Well, I just uh, recently finished watching Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. So, um, I guess Netflix I guess I guess I could say I, I guess I could say coffee in that show. Those are two addictions <laughs> I have right there. That was that that was a really good show. I watched all seven or eight whatever seasons of that show um speaking of shows to discuss sir right. uh i did catch the got home late last night watched the tony hawk documentary oh very good avocados out here avocado time. review time yes that was so good. Tell us about that. So good. I'm. I, did everybody hear the Tony Hawk documentary? Yes. Tony Hawk, Until the Wheels Come Off. And it was the other skater who uh, uses that phrase at the end of the documentary. And they were talking about his really bad concussion and, like, mm-hmm. his brother's talking about, like, an intervention. And then they have this awesome thing where they just go and it's like, Lance Mountain, uh, Stevie Caballero. Oh, so and, he had an intervention. No, they didn't do it. Oh. Because they were all just like, no, we're going to keep skating until our bodies won't let us skate Oh, anymore. wait, the intervention was stop skating? It was supposed to be, yeah, because he had it a... Wasn't, it wasn't alcohol and drugs? No, no, yeah, it was just, yeah. His, I he, didn't know there were other kinds of intervention. He had a, yeah, he had a heinous, uh, a heinous concussion, and they are like, we might need to... We might need to ask Tony Hawk to stop skateboarding, you know. But, yeah, they didn't end up doing it. They just realized that. And they go through and they talk to all, like, all of the other skaters that they've been talking to through the whole thing. And they were just like, yeah, no. And then one guy's like, we're going to do this until the wheels come off, you know. Yeah. It was very it was very poignant and very. And they had. They have, like, they begin with just this very personal private footage of Tony Hawk in his own, you know, birdhouse, you know, indoor skate park, attempting his 900 degree spin. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just like, and this was contemporary footage. So 50 years old, trying to do big air. And like, this is, this is the one that took him, like it was the 2000, uh, X games when he pulled it off, but only after like 12 tries. I remember that Alex. Yeah. You were was, watching it. Happened, uh, you know, 20, 22 years ago with the, with the skaters pounding their boards and just everybody just going nuts. And you're like, no, you can do this. It was the first time he pulled it off and oh. he did it at the X games. And, you know, just like everybody just going nuts for him and just like, 
he just kept getting just a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. And like, it was like, they let him, they just let him keep going. You know, like nobody was going to stop him. And just like, it was finally like the 15th time he hit it and the place just explodes. And it was, it was just amazing. That That's such a good documentary. Yeah. Uh, and like just like lots of interesting stuff about his childhood and his family. Super cool. Uh, really intimate stuff. Like you learn a lot about him, about what makes him tick about the kind of like obsession that you have to have, mm-hmm. you know, in order to pull something like that off. But then just like the history of skateboarding, those other guys in the Bones Brigade, Stacy Peralta's on there talking about it. Like you get an amazing history of Tony Hawk's career, an amazing history of skateboarding itself. And, you know, you like, you know, learn about the different kinds, the big air, the freestyling. It's like everything about both Tony Hawk and skateboarding is contained in the documentary. So good. Great soundtrack, too. Yes, yes. Oh. Fantastic soundtrack. Great soundtrack of, like, early, whatever, 80s hardcore or whatever yeah. that, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm I, Yeah. Buzzcox and The Cure and The Clash. And... Right. Yeah, super good stuff. Yeah, great, 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 great music. Great music, yeah. I mean. Good documentary. Yeah. Documentary feature length film, one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Let's give it a raw eight out of eight avocado <laughs> score. What, what, what I happily it? give it eight. It's an eight of eight. Alex? It's, you know, the funny thing is, whenever I like a documentary, I always say, I wish it were longer, you know? And that that documentary, I have to say, was I I don't feel that way. I was like, yeah, no, that was that was the right that was exactly the right amount of information about Tony Hawk that I needed there. That was good. <laughs> that was a balanced amount of inf- of Tony Hawk information, you know. And they told you like everything you needed to know about him, you know. Yeah, like, they, they, like, they they told you a whole family. lot. Yeah, I mean, but it wasn't boring. There, and there's a lot of skateboarding in there you know and they they i feel like they also they made it for somebody like me who's really never skated but has always just been kind of a a passive like oh man that looks so cool i I really respect those guys but at the same but they didn't like they didn't bore you which is good you know like if they had gone through this is what an ollie and this is what a kickflip is i would have been totally there for it but they didn't bother and it was still okay. So that was, that was, it was, the filmmakers showed a great uh, restraint in the way that the story was balanced and informative. You know, I really enjoyed it. But there is some technical stuff in there. There is technical stuff. Yeah. You can take it away and learn from it if you want to or not. Yeah. You can Uh, go off on your own, but they didn't, they didn't really, I guess, yeah, no, it could have been longer. Who am I kidding? Another awesome thing was like, their use of that one guy who was kind of his nemesis. Remember the one who had like the, had like the real foul mouth and like stood out. From oh the yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was yeah. I won't give away anything. Good, like, good movie. Good movie. Yeah, all those guys were really cool, and they all they all showed up and talked about it. It was neat. It was really neat. The way yeah, the way that nemesis is kind of story within the story resolves have we astounding yeah. and moving yeah that was a good movie but have we ever talked about the db cooper movie yet still no no that's the one about the pilot 
No, the, the hijacker. The hijacker. It's about a. It's a. It's the only unsolved whatever American hijacking or something. It was the first guy, who, at the time, hijacking was happening. It was in the seventies. It was like seventy seven, and this guy just got on a plane like at the time getting on a plane was like buying a i mean i guess it still in some ways is but it was like buying a a bus ticket like you, you went to the airport and you gave him 75 dollars and you said i want to go to and it was like he was in portland and bought a ticket to seattle you know and this guy got on the plane and handed the woman the stewardess a note and said and showed her like and opened up a briefcase and I said and said I have a bomb take this note to the to the to the pilot and the the note was a ransom note that when we get to SeaTac we need x amount of dollars and another plane that will take me somewhere else and he wanted specifically wanted like four parachutes and it was like I don't know four hundred thousand dollars or something and uh you know made all these demands so they you know they landed the plane they went somewhere and they went somewhere else and and then um it was nighttime and they're flying over like the olympia rainforest in the pacific northwest and so he's got the bundle of cash he's got all these he's got four parachutes and the reason he made they thought that, you know, he gave him four parachutes. Was, they had to give him working ones or something. I can't remember. And then... Uh, they, didn't have, they didn't have time to, like... They didn't have time to sabotage one of them or something. Yeah, something like... I don't, <laughs> yeah, I... Sabotage one of them, but not four of them. He had, well, he had thought the whole thing well out. Um, and then, you know, he opened the aft stairs, like, when you see like an old movie and the stairs come down at the back of a plane and people used to, you know, mm -hmm. in some planes you would, he opened the aft stairs while the plane was flying while it was, you know, and, and at night in like the rain, opened the aft stairs, jumped out, they came out, he was gone and then never caught again. And so it's wow. my, and then it's modern day and there are like four suspects that they dig into their stories and tell you their stories. And, um, that movie could have been four times as long. <laughs> like I never wanted that movie to end. But I guess I guess you know they do these things the way they do them. But and was that an HBO production? I think or? so. Yeah, I think that's an HBO one. But I had I had always been obsessed with it because my favorite TV show was um, news radio. I don't know if you guys ever watch news radio. Oh sure, come on, absolutely. News radio has has there's like I feel like it's a one or two episode arc about um about this whole story um huh. and um that's probably why the story sounds familiar <laughs> yeah uh, the bb cooper is on hbo for the record yeah um 
So that Did one, you know? that's a solid eight right there. Did you know that in 1981, Treat Williams and Robert Duvall made a movie about D.B. Cooper? Hmm. Yes. Well, yes. Looks like the I, Pursuit of D.B. Cooper. Right. Yeah. I think they referenced that in, in the documentary. But yeah, the D.B. Cooper movie. Alex, you have a series of shows coming up in New York City, right? I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> do, you think, uh, do you think you might like to play a song? Um... I, I could I, I could. I, I don't know if I'm set I'm set up for it. I could try though. Um Okay, that's up to you. And then like a stage comes out from behind him and, and lights oh, now an LED light display <laughs> curtain uh, yeah, kind of rises above him. <laughs> Wait, you, can you hit can uh, you hit, if you want this to happen, can you hit pause for one second? Yeah. Is, or is Here, that look, impossible? I'm, I'm or you'll just do, cut it? I'm going to do the poetry corner while you set up. Okay, do poetry corner. I'll be right back. <laughs> I saw this on the show sheet. I was super excited about I'm it. I'm going to read a poem that I loved from a young age. There's a there's a Disney cartoon. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why Disney influenced me so much. That's why I'm a Nazi. <laughs> Uh, I got to, I got really quick some more breaking news. Oh yeah, uh, our buddy Adam Wentworth texted me. Uh, super fan Adam. Super fan Adam Wentworth uh, to say that we are mere weeks away from Top Gun Maverick, the sequel to oh, Top Gun. Finally, super excited about finally. that. Finally, I've been holding my pee. <laughs> <laughs> I I did see something about that the other day and i thought have they are they ever going to release that movie yeah it's what? been in the can for like three years Long now time. right that's a that's one way to seem young <laughs> is make a movie and just wait five years and then release it and people think hi oh, he's looking so good <laughs> they'll look you up online they'll see your age and they'll go oh he's looking great uh <clears throat> i have watched the trailer for that several times and it looks awesome yeah i'm down Let's go see it. Okay. In the theater. You and I are due for while a you, while you While you still have this immunity. <laughs> um, well, what are you going to read? What are you going to read? We do the podcast together. So, we, you know, it's not like I don't see you. Yeah. <clears throat> but it would still be awesome to go to the movie. Okay. I, I, I would like to. It's mainly the kids thing. If the Little League would just calm the F down, <laughs> we could go see a movie. This is from one of my favorite website platforms. Oh, and now there's a helicopter overhead. Poets.org. Wait, it's only the last part of that statement that's the actual URL. It's poets.org, not like... It's helicopter not, overhead. Oh, there's a helicopter overhead, poets.org. Just to be clear, if you're writing this down, and this is um, the poet Ernest Lawrence Thayer, who I did you do you know this poet besides this? I poem? could not tell you what. And everybody knows this poem. It's Casey at the Bat. Casey at the Bat. <clears throat> I'm gonna read it because this is what it's what we do on. It's this interesting. Podcast, right? I would have called it Casey at Bat. I wouldn't have put the the in there. Casey mm. at the Bat. Okay. 
Do you think that Poets.org has it wrong? No. I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. The outlook wasn't brilliant for the Mudville 9 that day. The, st- the score stood 4-2, to two, but with one inning more to play. And then when Casey... Hmm, I'm struggling. <laughs> and then when Cooney died at first, and Barrows did the same, a pall-like silence fell upon the patrons of the game. A straggling few got up to go in deep despair. The rest clung to the hope which springs eternal in the human breast. They thought, if only Casey could get a whack at that, we'd put up even money now with Casey at the bat. But Flynn preceded Casey, as did also Jimmy Blake, and the former was a hoodoo and the latter was a cake. So upon that stricken multitude, grim melancholy sat. For there seemed but little chance of Casey getting to the bat. But Flynn let drive a single to the wonderment of all, and Blake, the much despised, tore the cover off the ball. And when the dust had lifted, and men saw what had occurred, there was Jimmy safe at second, and Flynn a hugging third. Then from five thousand throats and more there rose a lusty yell. It rumbled through the valley and it rattled in the dell. It pounded on the mountain and recoiled upon the flat, for Casey, mighty Casey, was advancing to the bat. There was ease in Casey's manner as he stepped into his place. There was pride in Casey's bearing and a smile at Casey's face. And when, responding to the cheers, he lightly doffed his hat, no stranger in the crowd could doubt t'was Casey at the bat. Ten thousand eyes were on him as he rubbed his hands with dirt. Five thousand tongues applauded when he wiped them on his shirt. Then while the writhing pitcher ground the ball into his hip, defiance flashed in Casey's eye, a sneer curled Casey's lip. And now the leather-covered sphere came hurtling through the air, and Casey stood a-watching it in haughty grandeur there. Close by the sturdy batsman, the ball unheeded sped. That ain't my style, said Casey. (laughs) Strike one, the the umpire said. From the benches, black with people, there went a muffled roar, like the beating of the storm waves on a stern and distant shore. Kill him! Kill the umpire, shouted someone on the stand, and it's likely they'd have killed him had not Casey raised his hand. With a smile of Christian charity, great Casey's visage shone. He stilled the rising tumult. He bade the game go on. He signaled to the pitcher, and once more the dun sphere flew, but Casey still ignored it, and the umpire said, Strike two! Fraud! cried the maddened thousands. An echo answered fraud. But one scornful look from Casey, and the audience was awed. They saw his face grow stern and cold. They saw his muscles strain. And they knew that Casey wouldn't let that ball go by again. 
The sneer is gone from Casey's lip. His teeth are clenched in hate. He pounds with cruel violence, his bat upon the plate. And now the pitcher holds the ball, and now he lets it go. And now the air is shattered by the force of Casey's blow. Oh, somewhere in this favored land, the sun is shining bright. The band is playing somewhere. And somewhere, hearts are light. And somewhere, men are laughing. And somewhere, children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out. So exciting. Such a great poem. I stumbled a couple times. Right. I apologize. It's a long poem. They had plenty of time to recover. So good. Such a good poem. It feels like Alex had time to set up like a big band. It was a long poem, yeah. Last Sunday on a lamppost I found a yellow handbill with your number that said apartment for rent Now my mind is filled with questions that will never be answered Girl, what happened? Since our love was spent Did you shack up? Did you crack up? Did you give up? Did you live up To your dreams In New York City I still can't find that picture One of me and you Under an umbrella on your birthday Maybe I burned it That sounds like something I'd do One morning I remember you gave me New York City And now, my dear, I'm giving it back to you The room where we shot the lights out Will soon be a different color Who could live With walls so blue did you shack up? Did you crack up? Did you give up? Did you live up to your dreams of New York City? Did you shack up? Did you crack up? Did you give up? Did you live up to your dreams? New York City.
Love that song. That's called Walls So Blue. There's a recording. I guess it's... Is it the Almira recording? Mm-hmm. That where like you're where you, that line about the picture is just comes out super gravelly. Um, it's like I still don't have that picture. Yeah, that's one of my favorite recordings. Yeah, I think it. I mean, that's on Goodbye Elmira. Um, yeah, that's I always call that my um. That 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 is the song that. You know, when I was making Goodbye Elmira, like, like the like the big moment for me during that was realizing that I had adopted from years of playing with various people and playing certain kinds of music. I had adopted an accent that was not genuine to my experience. You know, <laughs> like that I I you know, and trying to remove that. You know, I was playing a song called um, "The Road," and I was saying. Uh, there's a line where uh, just to get the hell out of town and i was saying just to get the hail you know like i was i was throwing this 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 indeterminate you know twang on it that could have been from anywhere but where i was you know and (laughs) but but when i sing wall so blue it is impossible for me not to slip into neil diamond it's like it's like neil diamond wrote that song and sent it to me telepathically like i I, it's i just i become neil diamond so i could do it more it's like one morning i remember you gave me new york city and now my dear i'm giving it back to you like, of course, I, now I hear Neil Diamond, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, that song always reminds <laughs> me. Until now, that song always reminded me of Tom Waits. Yeah, that's. I mean, he was a big influence too. Obviously, yeah, he's a huge influence on me, Tom Waits. I used to do. I used to do to my. Do you remember when I? Did you ever hear me do my Tom Waits impression? No, I don't think so. Oh, really? Oh my God! What was the one? Oh, I know what I used to do. Come on, you never heard this? Okay. Uh, I wonder if I can do that. Okay. <laughs> we're slipping. We're slipping into. We're slipping into. Let's keep it in C because I feel like I've got a better shot of landing it there. I feel like Tom Waits. It's like it's always like E flat, though. You have to do it in like everything in a weird key. You have to do it in in as in jazz keys, Johnny Johnson keys, right? (laughs) All right, you've definitely. Yeah, it's got to be D flat. Okay, that's that's as jazzy as you can be. So let's let's hope for the best here. Yeah, we're at ninety. All right, Manish has to take a meeting, so we're gonna go, we're gonna. Okay, so um, I'm gonna set this up a bit. Just um, maybe not. 
The dreamiest, creamiest, soft ice cream you get from Mr. Softy. For a refreshing delight supreme, come to Mr. Softy. My milkshakes and my sundaes and my cones are such a treat. Listen to my store on wheels jiggling down the street. The dreamiest, creamiest, soft ice cream you get from Mr. Softy. For a refreshing delight supreme, come to Mr. Softy. S-O-F-T-E-E. Mr. Softy. I don't know. That's. <laughs> but I kind of I feel like I do that also as Neil Diamond too. Like you get. Is that from a commercial? Is that? A, yeah, it's a, a the Mr. Commercial. Yeah, okay. the Mr. The Mr. Yeah, Softy yeah, yeah. song when the trucks drive around. They play this song yeah, that goes. So there's actual words to it. Of course, I'd heard you do that song before, but I'd never heard the Tom Waits version. I feel like there was other things I did better as Tom Waits. Like I used to do, um, I used to do uh, "Feed the Birds" from that was that was kind of the big one. Oh, I, used to I do, love your cover of "Feed the Birds." Early each day on the steps of Saint Paul's, the little old bird woman comes. In her own special way to the people she calls. Come by my bags full of crumbs. Come feed the little birds. Anyway, you get the detail. My, my dad's probably trying to sleep. I, I can't. <laughs> I don't want to wake him up. It's, you, yeah, you got to be really loud to do that voice. It's... You get the idea. It's it's the comedy's there. It's fine. It's I like I like the Alex Battles <laughs> version of Eat the Birds Best. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I, I wish I I wish I had that one down. I I love doing that song, but I, it's been a while since I played it. I can't exactly remember um the sequence of it, and I wouldn't want to ruin it because it's such a beautiful song, you know. Beautiful song by the Sherman Brothers. Who wrote all the Disney hits? So many of the Disney hits. There's a documentary about those guys. They wrote all the ones that Roger Miller didn't write. Yeah, they wrote. Um, they wrote a good amount of Jungle Book. They wrote Mary Poppins. They wrote. Uh, they wrote like all the ride the the songs on the rides. Like they wrote, uh, you know, Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow and. Um, it's a world of laughter, a world of tears. Yeah, they wrote all that the, stuff. The songs from the Jungle Book are really good. I really enjoy those. They wrote, I think they wrote in the Tiki 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 room. Um, they didn't write everything because from Jungle I Book. Must because go water till the day that I am blown. Is that from the Jungle Book? Yeah, it's the beginning. It's the one that she's singing when Mowgli first sees her. Yeah, I feel like Jungle Book might have been their first gig there. But, uh, yeah, the Sherman Brothers. There's a documentary about them, too. The Boys, it's called. 
somebody said I'm watching the boys, and apparently there's two different things called the boys, and somebody was like, <laughs> Yeah, I can see how that could be misconstrued. There's something else called the boys, and I was like, Oh, I'm watching that too. And I was like, Wow, I didn't realize you would be into Disney songwriters. That's so strange, you know? <laughs> because apparently there's something else that was kind of popular a few years ago called the boys. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's, it's like the a most disturbing, ultra violent show. When we talk about it's, I would not things, recommend that show to anyone. I wish I hadn't watched it. Yeah, and I didn't finish it. I was I was just like, I can't take this. Yeah, it's horrific. Yeah, it's about superheroes if they were bad. Oh, okay. Wow. What if they? What if there were superheroes, but they weren't all good guys? <laughs> Terrifying. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wanted to just go out on the song. I guess we still could. I wanted. I you can always cut this, you know. I wanted to practice with you guys for another two to three hours, but I realize that's impossible. Well, it's not impossible. It's just <laughs> improbable. The poorer the choice. I mean, look at Alex. He's on. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, he's struggling. He must be getting there. quite tired. It's, it's eleven it's o'clock. So, thank you for hanging out with us, Alex. You... Dude, my pleasure. Was this boring for you, Alex? I hey, I gotta no, tell you, it was you good. Could... I had I had a, I had a whole bunch of what I thought was material that we didn't get to, but that's okay. Well, let's Next do time. it again. Yeah, and and thank you. You you've helped me a lot. You really <laughs> helped put that little sitch into perspective. Yeah, you know, really I don't know. It's hard. It really good. You know? Thank you. I'm glad. I knew, I knew I needed to talk to you about this. It's my 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 pleasure. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I like I said. I don't. I don't know. I, I I've never been that good at organized sports. You know, I'm I'm somebody who. Yeah, but you're good at having perspective. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at making <laughs> analogies to different things. I guess. I don't know. Right? I'm good at. I'm good at. Tom Waits sings Disney. I don't know. Um, How are you at uh, sign-offs? The poorer the choices. The sweeter the wine.